everybody to another edition of the little podcast known as Internal Budget, an Ottawa Senators-focused podcast, of course, for some reason. My name is Brandon Mackey, staff writer for Silver7Sens.com, and your host for this whatever you want to call it. If you're hearing some banging going on, there's some hammering, I think, or some form of probably poorly done contracting going on in the apartment above me, which is great and totally reasonable considering it is around 8 in the morning right now and they still have not fixed my ceiling after it flooded three months ago. You have to love being a renter in the city of Toronto. There is just nothing like it. And speaking of Toronto or Toronto, as any normal person would say it. I don't know why I'm pretending to pronounce it weirdly on this podcast. How's everyone doing? You know, I feel like the word Toronto is synonymous with a sense of joy that has rung throughout the Ottawa Senators fan base over the past week or so. I feel like everyone's been doing pretty well. Me, I've been great. I mean, I'm still riding the high from my Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl victory, in case you hadn't heard about it. My favorite football team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, won the Super Bowl. And some of that same sense of wonderment and that feeling you get that makes you go, That's why I love sports. That came through in Ottawa, and I think it's still being felt after Monday night's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, in which which the Ottawa Senators found themselves trailing by a score of 5-1 and leaving the fan base with that familiar, collective, despondent feeling. Here we go again. Seen it happen against the Vancouver Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers and the Winnipeg Jets multiple times against each team. The Senators fell behind early. They fell behind by a lot. And it just felt like one of those, well, it's going to be another one of these games moments. And I, a noted moron, even tweeted when it was 5-1, to one, I posted on that cursed website saying, you know, I'm about to record a podcast episode, but what do you even say at this point? What do you even say when it's another major deficit and it's one of those games, again, where the Senators can't score, they can't defend, they can't stay out of the box, they can't kill penalties when they are in the box, they can't convert when the other team takes a penalty, they can't buy a save, D-zone coverage is all over the place. How do you even continue to talk about that and continue to come up with fresh, engaging viewpoints and content when it's just the same old story day in and day out and that is what that game felt like and I don't think that I am alone in that assessment I don't think it is 
a hot take to say that it did not seem like the Ottawa Senators were going to come back. And they didn't give this here fan base much of a reason to believe that they would indeed come back and beat the vaunted Toronto Maple Leafs down by a score of 5-1. to one. And part of that was because in their history, if you think of all the great teams in Ottawa Senators history, whether it's 2003 or 2006 or 2007 or the first few months of 2008 or even 2013, which was a pretty solid team, the Hamburglar team, 2017, there had never been an iteration of the Ottawa Senators that had come back from down by a deficit of four goals or more to win a hockey game. Never had the Ottawa Senators been down, trailing by four goals or more, only to return fire, mount a comeback, and win the hockey game. And they did that. They won the hockey game. And perhaps what was most impressive about this 5-1 victory was when you watched it happen, it was not the experienced veterans that have been so lauded throughout the offseason and to this point that powered the Sens to victory. In fact, it was much the opposite. One of the Maple Leafs' goals came on a, frankly, atrocious back check by Artem Anisimov. Either did not make enough of an effort to get back or simply couldn't muster the speed. Left Nikita Zaitsev alone in a two-on-one situation, and when you do that against the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's not going to work out well for you. So they converted... Another instance, the Senators were down on a five-on-three penalty kill. And I don't know exactly how to describe it, but the Leafs came down the wall, and Derek Stepan was the high guy in the zone, and he just stood there while the Leafs skated around the defender. I believe it was Mike Riley, but I could be wrong. Made a play to the net and scored again. I think someone on Twitter described it as it looked like Derek Stepan's controller had unplugged in a game of NHL 21, and I find it difficult to agree with that assessment. And listen, I'm not questioning anybody's effort. That's not my place. I don't know these players. I don't know their mentality. I don't know if they may be playing through any form of injury or you know, they're having some sort of mental psychological issues that sounded way more serious than I mean I'm just maybe talking about a crisis of confidence or something along those lines but it's just not good enough and I think regardless of the reason behind it it's not good enough and not to be a Debbie Downer because we are going to talk about the comeback and and all the reasons that it happened and how fun it was but I felt the need to emphasize this point regardless of how the game turned out in the end. Regardless of the final score, I wanted to make note of the fact that the push did not come from 
the players that are supposed to have been there and done this type of thing before didn't come from the veteran leadership. It came from the youth. And that is both a good thing in the sense that the youth are developing well and any concerns about resilience or mental toughness appear to have been greatly exaggerated, but it's also concerning in the vein that I'm not sure what purpose the vets are serving when you see things like that. If they can't defend, if they can't score, why are they here? And I think Derek Stepan can help Ottawa. I've said that since the trade was made. I think Artemon Isimov can be effective in that bottom six role when he's rotated in, but not with efforts like we saw on Monday night. But I don't want to dwell too much on that. I don't want to bash anybody too much because it's really hard to find anything to be negative about when you go back and you relive that game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And again, for the first half of the contest, it did not appear that it was going to go well. Quite the opposite. Um, It was a night where it looked like the Senators were going to get run off the board again. It was one of those nights halfway through the game, you're saying, start the bus. But then something happened. They got a quick goal at the end of the second period when they were down 5-1. to one. It was Nick Paul who scored it. And you found yourself thinking, and this is a goal that came right after the Leafs made it 5-1. Five, five, so you found yourself maybe thinking that this could happen. It's a three-goal lead. You know, the Senators have struggled to score three goals in a game this year, never mind in a period. So it didn't look great, but early in the third period, they got a big goal from Artem Zub. And, oh, man, what a first NHL goal that was. Out-of-the-box breakaway and a disgusting move. Congratulations, Artem Zub, on your first NHL goal, of course, but how impressive has that guy been, by the way? I mean, you're talking about a player who came over from Russia, was scratched to start the year, and now as soon as he gets into the lineup, he's beginning to solidify himself as a top three, maybe even top two defenseman on this team. And with plays like that, I mean, my God, that goal was just filthy. And then Connor Brown gets one. Around five minutes later, and a guy like Connor Brown who can't buy a goal lately, can't hit the broadside of a barn, scores a beauty on a gorgeous assist from Colin White. And now you're thinking it's 5-4 with 15 minutes to go, just under 15 minutes to go, closer to 14 minutes. And even Connor Brown is getting on the scoreboard. This could happen. Late in the game, DJ Smith makes the gutsy call to pull the goalie early. There's a chance at the net front. And who but Evgeny Dadanov, who, if you recall... Brandon was saying to be patient with because when he would start scoring, they would come in bunches. Well, wouldn't you know it, he's got another one. And the game is tied. And despite a late flurry, 
by the Maple Leafs. It's going to overtime. And overtime, the Leafs are carrying the play. And it's, again, it's looking like one of those games where, ah, you know what, it was a valiant effort, but Toronto's a good team. That's how I felt, to tell you the truth. I didn't feel like Ottawa was going to score in that overtime period. But then Dadunov saves a goal on a wraparound try by Mitch Marner. And Ottawa goes up the ice. Great pass from Nick Paul, or Thomas Shabbat, rather. Though Paul had the secondary assist, Shabbat springs Dadunov on a breakaway. And at that moment, I knew it was over. As soon as I saw Evgeny Dadunov had a step, he had an open lane to the net, you knew it was over. And it was. Dadunov beat Anderson up high, and the Senators came back to win 6-5 to five for the first time in their history, erasing a four-goal deficit and beating a team who many would argue that they have no right to beat. And there is a lot to a win like that. It's not just a victory with or in the form of two points on the board. It's a victory in the sense that when have we seen the Senators exhibit this type of resiliency up until late? Even Saturday's game against the Winnipeg Jets where they hung on to a 1-1 game and Brady Kachuk scored with eight seconds left to give them the win. This has been a team, at least for this season, where if things don't go well, they implode. That's just been the way it's been. They have not been able to stop the bleeding when it starts. They get scored on early, they go down by a big number, and they just haven't been able to turn the tide. And I mean, I guess that's to be expected with a young team, but when you think of all the acquisitions that the Senators made, it's hard to justify that. And it's hard to find reasons that this type of constant collapsing would be acceptable. And then you go into a game against one of your biggest rivals and if not the best team in the North Division, then the top, the bottom, most talented. You go into that game without Matt Murray and without Eric Brandstrom. And you come back from down 5-1 in that game? Credit to Marcus Hogberg. We've been critical of him, rightfully so. But even though he gave up five, not all of them were his fault. He didn't let it get to his head, and he stood tall in the third period, and he stood tall in overtime. And I was on Rebel 101.7 in Ottawa this morning, as I am every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. And the point that I wanted to emphasize about this comeback victory is that it was the kids who led it. I didn't mention Drake Batherson had a goal, had the first goal of the game for Ottawa. 
That's a guy who has been criticized lately for some reason. I can't figure out why. He's played phenomenal. The points will come. But it was the youth that powered Ottawa to this victory. Batherson scores on an assist from Tim Stutzla. Nick Paul scores. Artem Zub scores. Colin White and Thomas Shabbat assist on Connor Brown's goal. Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris assist on Evgeny Dadanov's goal. Shabbat and Paul assist on the overtime winner. That's what you're hoping to see out of this Ottawa Senators team. That's what you've been hoping to see since the beginning of the season. That they would play close, competitive games. Doesn't necessarily matter how many they win. But no matter the result, the young players would be their best. And that was the case. And again, I cannot stress, I know I'm gushing over this game, but to come back and beat a team like that with your backup goaltender in net, missing one of your top four defensemen, down four goals. It's just absurd when you think about it. And it's not a win that's characteristic of these Ottawa Senators. They were down four goals with 39 minutes of the game gone. So in a little less than 40 minutes, or sorry, a little less than 20 minutes, the Ottawa Senators scored four goals. And then to finish it off with the overtime winner. You cannot overstate the impressiveness of this game. And as long as the youth keep playing like this, there's going to be a lot more of these victories. And hopefully they don't come when trailing 5-1 all the time because it's never a good thing to be trailing 5-1 or to give up five goals. But it was an encouraging sign. It was a good lesson, and it feels like a stepping stone for this young core of the Ottawa Senators. And for them to know in the back of their mind that they can win these games where it looks like things aren't going well and it looks like things are out of reach. That is huge. It is astronomical. The impact that this will have on a young team. And whatever happens tonight in the rematch, maybe the Leafs will come back and win. I I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, this is the first time they've lost back-to-back games all year. And frankly, they're a better team than Ottawa. So, yeah, they'll probably win tonight. But even if they do, the Ottawa Senators fan base, as wonderful as they are, are always going to have the phrase, it was 5-1. to one. Put that on a t-shirt. Maybe that'll be the, uh, part of the first line of internal budget merch. It was 5-1. to one. So it really feels like what's old is new again in Ottawa. The Leafs didn't look good. The Senators looked great. And Ottawa embarrassed them, at least in the regular season. And that theme of what's old is new again carried over earlier in the week as well. I mean, on Saturday, Saturday's my grocery day with my lovely girlfriend. And I was in the middle of Shoppers Drug Mart. On Saturday afternoon, and 
I pull out my phone as we're walking around and I have a million notifications. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I open it and Twitter's blowing up and I go, what? Audibly in the middle of Shopper's Drug Mart. Pretty sure a lady in the shampoo aisle thought I was crazy. My girlfriend looked at me like I was from Mars. But the reason that I did it was because the Ottawa Senators had made a trade. And it was a difficult trade to wrap my mind around because they had acquired Ryan Dezingle from the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for Alex Galchenyuk and Cedric Paquette. And obviously there were a few reasons why I found this trade to be, if not outright bizarre, then a little strange. The first of which is just because it's Ryan Dezingle and... We know in Ottawa what kind of who Ryan Dezingle is because he played for the team. He was drafted by the team. And when a player gets traded, you don't expect to see them back again. With players like Eric Carlson and Mark Stone, part of you kind of holds out hope a little bit, but a guy like Ryan Dezingle at the risk of sounding disrespectful had been forgotten about by this fan base. Since he left Ottawa, his numbers were certainly not world-beating. And he wasn't one of those guys where you're looking back on and going, damn, we didn't get enough. We did not get enough for Ryan Dezingle. I think it's fair to say the Senators got a pretty good price for Ryan Dezingle. What happened with Anthony Duclair notwithstanding. So... Again, not a guy that the Senators fan base had really thought about since then. And if you look at who they gave up in Galchenyuk and Paquette, you see two guys who had just had a cup of coffee with this team, had not endeared themselves to the fan base, though Galchenyuk was perhaps a little closer than Paquette in that regard. And you're kind of left with this feeling of, um, okay, I guess. When you break it down from a hockey perspective, it does make more sense. The Hurricanes needed to get Dezingle's contract off the books. In coming to Ottawa, he can provide, hopefully, an insertion of speed into their lineup and a little bit of skill that'll probably be good for players like Drake Batherson. And, you know, if you're talking lower in the lineup, maybe even Josh Norris, or maybe when Logan Brown comes up, maybe there's some familiarity there. Maybe he's a skilled winger for Colin White. There's a lot of ways that you can plug Ryan Dezingle into this lineup, pretty much from the first line to the third line. Uh, he's not known for being a an all-world defender, but he does have some scoring prowess. He's got good vision in the offensive zone. He moves the puck well. There's not a lot of negatives you can say about his offensive game. And when, at the time the Ottawa Senators traded him, it was the highest scoring point of his career. Uh, so they sold high. 
Now, maybe they'll be able to reignite his game, and they can do it again. The trade deadline will come. I don't think Ryan Dezingle figures into Ottawa's long-term plans. His contract does expire at the end of the year, and I would be surprised if he's back, barring some unforeseen circumstance. So I think Ottawa will try to maximize his value and get something back for him. Maybe a higher-end pick if all goes well. So that part makes sense to me. But then the the Hurricanes go, and they immediately flip Galchenyuk to the Leafs, and they're gushing about Paquette, and he's the player they wanted. And this came as a bit of a shock to fans of the Ottawa Senators that have watched Paquette play, and, and no disrespect to him, of course. I mean, he seems like a really nice guy. Uh, he's serviceable in a limited role, but the analytics don't favor him. His underlying numbers are not appetizing, to say the least. Whether you're talking about possession or expected goals or even isolated impact, Cedric Paquette is not an analytical darling, as we say. Um, So that part surprised me, that the Hurricanes went out of their way to acquire such a player. Maybe they were looking for a chippy physical presence on the fourth line, and they obviously needed to shed to singles contract. So I guess from that perspective, it makes sense for both sides. But I'm excited to see what Dezingle can do in his return to Ottawa. When he played for the team last, I don't think the Senators were as skilled as they are now. They definitely, definitely were more skilled at the top of their lineup. I mean, Matt Duchesne was their top center. Mark Stone was playing on the top line. Brady Kachuk was also playing on the top line. So the high-end skill was there. But when you have the youthful exuberance that Ottawa has throughout their lineup, this is now a lineup that features a matured, poised, bona fide NHLer version of Drake Batherson. It boasts Tim Stutzla. Josh Norris has carved himself out a role on this team. Colin White is playing some of the best hockey of his life. Nick Paul is playing the best hockey of his life. Evgeny Dadanov has been a sight for sore eyes in that top six, at least of late, showing some of that promise that the Senators hoped to find in terms of scoring when they signed him in free agency. So I think Dezingle is going to fit well. I really do. Unless his game has fallen off completely for some reason, and I see no reason why that would be the case. I think his lack of success in places like Columbus and Carolina was probably more about not being a fit than it was an indictment of the player himself. But four points in 11 games, that's solid. And when you figure in factor in the opportunity that he's going to get in Ottawa, probably in the middle of six, probably second power play unit, I see no reason why he can't hit at least close to the levels of production that we saw when he last played for the Sens. And again, that's a guy who they should be looking to capitalize on. You can probably get a decent return for him in terms of draft capital. So I like the trade. I think it's becoming a little bit 
apparent that Pierre Dorian has misfired on a few of his veteran acquisitions. I don't think Derek Stepan has worked out well. Um, you know, the Coburn Paquette trade, given the fact that Ottawa got a second round pick out of it and dumped some contracts that they needed to dump, I have a hard time griping about that one. But I think Dezingle has the chance to redeem Dorian a bit and provide some of the veteran presence and impact that he had hoped to get out of some of the other players that he brought in. So I like the Dezingle trade. Uh, As weird as it is, it's still weird the more I think about it. And it's going to be weird when Dezingle is back in the lineup again. He's not going to be wearing number 18 when he returns to the Senators because that is Tim Stutzler's number. So, I don't know, man. Like, it's going to feel weird. It's going to be odd watching him in a 2D Ottawa Senators jersey, but I'm excited to see him back in Ottawa again, and I'm excited to see what he can do with this group of boisterous youngsters that Ottawa has got themselves. And speaking of boisterous, rabble-rousing youngsters, the Belleville Senators finally got back in action. I think they've played two, maybe three games right now. Season did not go off to a rip-roaring start. Obviously playing in an all-Canadian division. They struggled in the first couple games against Laval. Got themselves a nice win last night. Lost in that fact, though, was that Logan Brown is injured again. And I said at the time that the Ottawa Senators reassigned Logan Brown to Belleville to get him some games. I said, I understand the logic of sending him down and wanting to get him conditioned before you throw him into the rigors of everyday NHL life, especially in a condensed, compacted season. But if he gets hurt again, you run into some issues because this is a player that has a reputation for not being able to stay healthy. And if you want to get a look at him at the NHL level, you need him healthy. If he gets hurt in the NHL, fine. People will argue maybe there's not a difference with how getting hurt in between getting hurt in Belleville and getting hurt in Ottawa, but I disagree. If he gets hurt in Ottawa and you need to get rid of him, at least you can inflate his value even a little bit. And again, I don't think Logan Brown has anything else to prove in the AHL. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. It's entirely possible, but I thought conditioning-wise, you could get him at least close to up to speed in Ottawa and then go from there. But now he's hurt again. It sounds like it's just a day-to-day thing, so I don't know if it warrants too much cause for concern, but if you're a fan of the Senators, part of you has to be going, ugh, this again. Because this has been the story on Logan Brown since he's been drafted, is that he can't stay healthy. And I know how frustrating that is. My football career ended because I couldn't stay healthy. And a lot of it was just bad luck. I mean, there was one instance where I had a concussion, missed two weeks. First practice back, I break my hand on just a fluky collision. 
a lot of it is just luck based. But the more you get hurt, the more likely you are to get hurt again, at least in my experience. So I worry about Logan Brown. Uh, I'm not not questioning his toughness. I would never do that. I don't know the person. And frankly, it's not my place as a guy who is sitting behind his desk in his apartment downtown Toronto, hasn't played a game of hockey since my last house league game, I think five or six years ago. So not going to do that, not going to go down that road with any player, much less one as skilled and with the raw potential that Logan Brown has. But I am concerned. I am concerned about the fact or about whether or not Logan Brown is going to be healthy enough to play at the NHL level. I think he has the talent. I don't think that's even up for debate. I mean, he's so skilled. His vision is it's a rare air. Like on the stint that he had in Ottawa last season, some of the plays and passes he made in the offensive zone, it's like you look and some of the best centers in the league aren't making those plays. So it's hard not to be impressed with Logan Brown when you watch him play hockey, but I am worried. And I don't know what more what how much more I have to say on it other than the fact that here we are again. We're talking about a Logan Brown injury again. And maybe he'll shake it off. Maybe he'll be back by the end of the week and he's playing games and making an impact again. But I feel so badly for the guy because he worked so hard by all accounts to get ready for this season. But he gets through two games, is held pointless, and gets hurt. That sucks, and I want to see him do well, so I'm hoping that this is not a sign of things to come and that the writing is not on the wall for Logan Brown, but part of me is wondering, and I hate to admit that um, because I always like to give players the benefit of the doubt, but it's getting to that point where the Senators have to make a decision on the player, and if he can't stay healthy, then the decision is made for them, and that's... Just the cold, hard fact of the matter. And that sucks. But turning to a more positive note to end the show on, there have been a few, more than a few, of Ottawa's young players who have looked really impressive through the first few games of Belleville season. Logan Shaw, I mean, that's not really a top prospect, but two goals and an assist, Jesus, He's played some good hockey. Parker Kelly has a goal and an assist. He's come out of nowhere to emerge as one of the Senators' top prospects. And if he's not in that category yet, then he's pushing for it. And my guess is he'll be in there soon. Uh, He plays a really nice two-way game. He plays hard. And he contributes in the form of secondary scoring, which is what Ottawa's going to need in the coming years. And I know the organization loves him. Uh, They love the player, they love the person, and they love his game. So nice to see him having some early success. Ridley Gregg bouncing back from an extended bout of symptoms or at least lingering effects of COVID-19. He's got himself to assist through the first three games. I love this player. I love the pick that they made at 28 and drafting him. I really thought the Sens were going to trade that pick. But in Ridley Gregg, you get a guy who in Ottawa's system is probably going to be a bottom six center on a contending team 
and what he's going to provide for you. Again, like Parker Kelly, he's chippy. He plays hard. He plays well in both ends of the ice. Secondary scoring, strong defensively. I really like what I've seen from this kid, and I hope he continues to rise. Lassie Thompson, two assists through three games. Uh, after seeing him struggle in Europe, I'm glad he's starting to find his groove in Belleville. Vitaly Abramov and Alex Formanton both have themselves goals, and I would expect those two players to get shots in Ottawa relatively soon, at least for a brief amount of time. I'm not putting too much stock into the results that Belleville gets this year. Uh, it's a weird season with a weird divisional alignment and no real playoffs. I just want to see the kids play well, and I just want to see them develop, and I think that we've seen that so far. So hopefully Logan Brown can get healthy and join this core again pretty soon, but it is difficult not to be excited about the likes of Formanton and Thompson and Kelly and Greg and Abramov, and even in net with Joey Decord and Kevin Mandelis and Philip Gustafson. The future is bright, um, don't lose sight of that in some of the uglier results that Ottawa will probably have this year and has had this year. But hey, as long as they keep beating the Leafs, I mean, who can complain, right? So hopefully they get another one tonight. Folks, that's going to be it for this episode of Internal Budget. Thank you so much for listening. It really is a pleasure. As always, Make sure you like the podcast, share it with your friends, download, subscribe, rate five stars, those little things that go a long way, you know by now that I really appreciate it. We've got some more great content coming your way at silver7cents.com. I have some more general sports content, uh, some hockey, some football coming out on my Substack. It's mackie.substack.com. Subscribe. It is free um, because God knows I would not charge you for my com- extremely mediocre output and hey we'll catch you again next week please stay healthy stay safe and enjoy what is hopefully another victory over the toronto maple Leafs tonight take care y'all